Good morning. I'd like to just begin with a poem. The author's name is Russell Kiefer, and this poem is, has reemerged in my life over the years, and it is something that has been very uh, dear to my heart as we've transitioned the ministry over the years. You are who you are for a reason. You're part of an intricate plan. You're a precious and perfect, unique design. God's special woman or man. You look like you look for a reason. Our God made no mistake. He knit you together within the womb. You're just what he wanted to make. The parents you had were the ones he chose. And no matter how you feel, they were custom designed with God's plan in mind, and they bear the master's seal. No, the trauma you faced was not easy. No, the trauma you faced was not easy. And God wept that it hurt you so. But it was allowed to shape your heart so that into his likeness you'd grow. You are who you are for a reason. You've been formed by the master's rod. You are beloved because there is a God. So Elevation Christian Academy, formally, kind of still is, the Fold Family Ministries is a ministry that's been in existence uh, before I was born. So over 50 years. And during the vast majority of that time, it was a ministry where families uh, who had a troubled teen, uh, various things, usually pretty serious type situations where a child would go for a year and live there. And it was a discipleship ministry, helping to kids that were experiencing some profound trauma in their lives become devoted followers of Jesus. And a step further than that, you know, because the Great Commission calls us to make disciples. So to help kids be disciples and then one day be disciple makers. And I was one of those kids back in the late 80s. And through just a very narrow series of events, very improbable in my situation, I came to the Fold Family Ministries. And it was there that I learned of Jesus for the very first time. And it was there in 1988 that I came to accept Jesus as my savior. And I came from trauma and brokenness. I was the first kid that came from such brokenness that I did not have a family to return to when I finished the program. And so a board member, a, 70, a board member in her 70s became my legal guardian simply so that I could finish high school. And it was there when I met her for the first time driving from uh, Lindenville, Vermont, that's where the ministry was uh, based for so many years, to Montpelier, Vermont. She must not have known much about me, right? She didn't know that I had spent three years out of school because I hated school so much. I was convinced I couldn't learn. I was convinced I wasn't loved. I wasn't accepted. I was a kid who did anything to, to, to get the attention off usually feeling it was negative attention. And 
And in that ride, she, she asked me a question that no one had asked me, that I think no one had thought, ever thought of me. I had never thought of myself. And she said, very boldly, so where are you going to college? And I said, no, 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 no. They didn't tell you about me? <laughs> Boy, did they not tell you about me. I said, no, I'm not going to college. I'll, I'll be lucky to graduate high school, and I'm so grateful that I'm having the opportunity. So, you know, and I was grateful. Um, for me, the Fold Family Ministries, it was a Fold Family Ministries or bust. I would never would have left Lowell, Massachusetts had it not been for this ministry. I would not be alive today if it was not for this ministry. So <clears throat> she cast this vision when she said, so where are you going to college? And I said, I don't know. I'm not going to college. And she responded by saying, everyone in my family goes to college. And she cast a vision. And for the next three years, she, she, she convinced me and, and taught me of my belovedness, that I was the beloved son of God, and that I could not see my circumstances and I could not see my future the way the world saw it. I had to see it as God saw it. And she just ingrained that in me. And so uh, five years ago, I guess now, when the Fold Family Ministries, the season of residential came to an end and COVID kind of just was the last nail, um, they, were, they were closing. And God had profoundly called, called me to, to leave what I was doing at that time and, and to step into that ministry. And boy, that ministry, it wasn't residential anymore. It wasn't in Lindenville, Vermont. And so it was a struggle. You know, where are we going to be? What are we going to do? What are we going to look like? Um, and thus, Elevation Christian Academy was born. And the name, um, we are a recognized school. But we're not simply a school. Um, we serve roughly 12 students. That's the right number for us to really nurture kids. And that, that was really the number that I didn't even realize, that that was the number the fold had always really served. About six boys, about six girls. The fold normally served. So about 12 kids, and it's a very intimate environment. And our, our students are from profound brokenness, the profound cycle of brokenness. I say that because as I get to know the parents, the parents come from brokenness. The parents come from trauma. And it just cycles. To give you just a small idea of, of our population of about 12, less than 20% of our students have two parents in the home. Less than 20%. Less than half have either parent in the home. They either are adopted, um, have a guardian, are in foster care. Profound brokenness. And all too often, they have seen themselves as I saw myself. You know, that my identity was formed by what was said about me, what was said about my parents, the family I came from. And the mission of the fold has always been to help those in need find hope and healing in Christ. And so that is the mission of Elevation Christian Academy, to help those from profound brokenness, generational brokenness, when we can help the entire family find hope and healing in Christ. And we do that 
um, by helping each one we serve claim their identity as the beloved sons and daughters of God. Uh, Pastor David, you, you recognize the work of Henry Nowen. I don't know if you got my email response saying, wow, you're the first person that recognized this name. So. Um, but I was profoundly impacted by, by this book, The Life of the Beloved. And as we were transitioning, and I was searching, okay, I knew our mission, right? Help, help those in trauma find hope and healing in Christ, but how do we do that? And helping, helping our students, helping those we serve, claim their identity as the beloved sons and daughters of God. And that's, that's what we all search for, isn't it? Our identity, who are we? That's the question that drives us. And if we think of our lives in a linear fashion, you know, I was born in 1972, maybe, you know, I'll live to 2062. If I eat healthy, right, I'll live there. And, you know, if you think of just a straight line from birth to death, just a straight line. And society, as we grow up, at least I know I did, and I know Henry Nowen talks about that we tend to claim our identity in, in one of three ways. First, we are what we do. We are what we do. You ever go someplace? I went someplace not that long ago, and someone said, Scott, what do you do? Oh, I, you know, I, I lead a school, and I do a couple other things. You know, but we're so often associated by what we do. I'm an A student. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a poor student. I'm, I'm a... I have this job, I have that job, I have these diplomas on my wall. I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a provider, I'm a mother, I'm a stay-at-home mom, right? And we, we so often pin our identity to what we do. And when we have that linear line, right, if we do good things, we're up. Things don't go so well, we're down, up, down, up, down. And we're, our identity is constantly being shifted from left to right because... It's not grounded. It's not grounded as the beloved. Second, we often pin our identity to we are what people say of us, which is the most important, right? Because we're relational. And as we're growing up, those in our lives cast blessings. And some people in our lives do not cast blessings. And sometimes the generational mistakes of others kind of just become us. They become our identity. And we start to cling to whoever is going to say something good about us, whether that situation or person is good for us or not, right? If someone gives us affirmation, if someone gives us approval, whether that's a negative or a positive situation, we tend to gravitate towards that. Why? Because it feels good. It feels good when someone says something of me, when someone affirms me. Regardless of the source, it feels good. When people say good things, we're up. When they say not so good things, we're down. And our identity is up and down. It's not solid when we base our identity on what people say about us. And then the third one is, I am what I have. That's a big one. I, I struggle with that. I am the neighborhood I live in. I am the car I drive. I am the, the, the brand of sneakers I wear, right? And 
I am what the stock market says. And when the stock market's up, I'm feeling good. When the stock market crashes, the housing market crashes, I don't feel so good. I've pinned my identity to what I have. It's not solid. And it can feel good, but then down, up, down. And, and oftentimes, when people pin their identity to something not solid, and they're not feeling good because things are not going the way that they wanted to, that's where we start to find addiction. Toxic relationships, anger, bitterness that leads to all types of things, right? And so that's what we're really seeking to help our kids to pin their identity as the beloved sons and daughters, daughters and sons of God. This is the model that Jesus set in the desert when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end, Satan came to him and said, turn this stone into bread and do something. Jump from the temple and let the angels catch you so you won't even hit your foot upon the stone. And people will say great things about you. Kneel before me and I will give you all these kingdoms and you will have many possessions. And Jesus was able to say, no, that's a lie. These are all lies. These are the lies that lead people into relationships of violence and toxicity and addiction. And Jesus was able to hold on to who he was. Because before he was tempted, the spirit came upon him and the heavens opened and the spirit descended on him as a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. And what is said of Jesus is said of us. In John 17, Jesus said to the Father, may they know that you love them as you have loved me. And if we listen to the scriptures, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have knit you in your mother's womb. I have written your name on the palm of my hands. I have molded you in the depths of the earth. I love you. I embrace you. You are mine and I am yours and you belong to me. And we need to hear that over and over. I am the beloved son of God. I am the beloved daughter of God. And, and this claiming of the belovedness allows me to live in a world that will praise me at times, reject me at times. It allows me to live in a world that sometimes I have a lot, sometimes I have nothing. It allows me to live in a world where I don't compare what I have to others and, and let that allow my self-esteem to be determined by that, but by the truth that I am the beloved daughter or son of God. And if we can hold on to that voice we can claim our belovedness. And as we lose and as we gain, we will, we will not let us make us bitter, but to remind us of the voice that calls us the beloved. And the voice that calls us the beloved is the voice of the first love. John says, love God because he first loved you. So we were loved 
well in advance of our conception and birth. We were loved before our mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, spouses, friends loved us or hurt us. Because isn't it true that so often those that love us are also the ones that can wound us? They're the ones that we are most attached to and oftentimes find our identity in. And so those who love us can be the ones that hurt us the most. The people who love us do not always love us well. But if we can hold on to that first love, this will allow us to live in the world and forgive those who love us poorly, but to remind us in the love that we do receive a hint or a glimpse of that first love that calls us the beloved. So as we seek to teach those at Elevation how to live as the beloved sons and daughters, daughters and sons of God, uh, Henry Nouwen gives a profound example that I've really clung on to. And it's the, it's the example found in the Last Supper. And it's an example that really models the life of Jesus. And it's a, an example that models the life of the beloved. Jesus took bread. Jesus blessed the bread. Jesus broke the bread, and Jesus gave the bread. Jesus was taken by God, blessed by God, broken on the cross, and given to the world. As the beloved, we live in our spiritual life the same example. And this is the example that we, we set at elevation. Taken. We are taken by God. A, a better word than taken, softer word is chosen. We are chosen by God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you are uniquely chosen by God to play a role that only you can play in God's story? Most people don't believe that. They don't believe they were taken, chosen by God. They don't believe that the parents they have or had, the, the, the ancestry they share or their circumstances growing up were, were chosen by God. He wept over the trauma we experienced, but he knew before time who our parents were going to be, the circumstances of our childhood, right? And he knew that it had to take place in order for us to play our unique role in his story. We are blessed. Bless. A blessing is saying something good, right? God blesses us. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I have written your name on the palm of my hand. He blesses us over and over. Sometimes we, we, don't, we don't think and focus on the blessings in our lives, right? We focus, focus on the things that were not so blessed in our lives or the things that we were said that were negative in our lives. 
But we are called to be blessed and to bless others. Now the hard one. Broken. Everyone in this room has experienced some pain in one form or the other. And what might have been traumatic for me might not be so traumatic for you and vice versa, but we all carry pain and heartache and trauma. And oftentimes, the things that are most traumatic happen in relationships. Those who love us can also wound us. Those who love us do not not always love us well. There can be pain. And our society, what do we do oftentimes? We run from the pain. Sometimes we try to medicate the pain. We enter into relationships to seek pleasure to avoid pain, right? So that's almost part of our culture now, to to avoid the pain. But do you know anyone truly joyful who does nothing but run from their pain? Do you? I don't. Do you know anyone that's filled with joy that does nothing but try to mask the pain? We're uniquely chosen. We're blessed by God. He knew the trauma we would face before we were made in the womb. And so people have been brought into my life at very unique times, like that person who adopted me that cast the vision that I would one day go to college. Man, what a blessing she was. Right? What a blessing other people were. And I had... (laughs) Far fewer blessings than the opposite of blessings in my life. But God had uniquely placed those blessings in such a way at such a time that they altered the trajectory of my life. So I have learned that you need to embrace your brokenness. Not run from it. But bring it to God and say, God, how are you going to use this to allow me to put the brokenness under the blessing? to use what was meant for my harm and to use it for good. That's where joy comes from. Where you claim your belovedness, where you claim your uniqueness, the good and the not so good, to play your role, your unique role in God's story. And that's when we are given, right? We are not here for ourselves. We are here not to be productive, but to be fruitful. And the grain cannot bear fruit unless it dies. So dying to self and focusing on others, bearing fruit in the lives of others, is what we as the beloved are called to do. Ben, come here, buddy. You're not in trouble. That's, that's why I gave you a warning that I was going to do this to you, because I didn't want you to think you were in trouble for dozing off. No, you didn't do that. You didn't do that. Not while I was speaking, you didn't. So this is the first time I've done this to Ben. But this is the fourth time that Ben has come out to a church with me. So when you guys get to your fourth time, watch out. I might do this to you. But that's why I'm doing it to Ben. Next time, it's you. Yes. <laughs> But we talk about um, casting blessings. 
And I want to just set a quick example, and I want to, I want to cast a blessing for you. Is that okay? Okay. So I'm going to take, just go through the four. We are taken, chosen, blessed, broken, given. So Ben, you were chosen by God. And I know, I know the, the situation of, of you know, your, your, your biological parents is, is a source of pain. And I experienced a very similar experience that you have, Ben. So I, I, I deeply understand that pain. But you need to know that God held you in the palm of his hand before you were even a thought in this world. Ben, you have received far more pain than anyone should experience as, as such a young man. But you have, you have received such a blessing in Miss Jennifer. Miss Jennifer has told the story that Ben's mother, please correct me if I'm wrong, but Ben's mother was Miss Jennifer's foster daughter. And when, when her foster daughter became, became pregnant, this guy right here, um, Miss Jennifer, uh, was called to become Ben's, Ben's, what do you call Miss Jennifer? Alma. All right. Um, man, and she loves this guy. You know, she lives in Waterbury. We're located in Milton. And we start every day at 745. And she, what, I don't know what time you wake up. You must wake early. up early. <laughs> yeah. And then she gets Ben to Milton every day. And she comes in with this, this dog named Rosie, this black lab, weighs like 1,000 pounds, huge, sweet dog, but ginormous dog. So she's got this giant dog in one arm. She's got like a keyboard, a guitar in the other, every morning. And we have another student here from St. Albans. In two days a week, he doesn't have a ride. So she takes him home two days a week to sleep at her house, at Ben's house, and brings him in twice a week, and then she volunteers all day doing individual music lessons with each student. And this year, you know, last year there was a carpool situation she had, and this year she, we realized she had to drive Ben every day, and I tried to figure out, oh, how could I help out with the transportation? And she said, no, I'll just come and be here all day and serve all day every day. I said, wow, that's a lot. And she goes, no, it's okay. She said, this is what Ben needs. And so she models this service and this sacrifice. And you, don't, you might not recognize fully what a blessing this is, but trust me, when you get to be my age, it's going to hit you like a, like a ton of bricks. Brokenness. Brokenness. Ben, I never told you this. I never said this to you. But when I first met Ben, it was at the very end of our first year, Elevation in Milton. I had no idea what the ministry was going to look like. I was handed this ministry that was on life support. Well, actually, no, it was off life support. And uh, God allowed us to get it back on life support. But I, I didn't know what it looked like. I had never led a ministry. I led other things, but not a ministry. So I, I went into it saying, Lord, this is yours. I have no idea what I'm doing. And... 
and the first year, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what elevation was. And we had these kids who were not from traumatic situations, but parents had heard of me as this education guy. And, and we, had, we were, had homeschoolers, and parents were trying to tell us what elevation was. And, and I, I, was, I was really crying out, God, reveal to me what elevation is supposed to be in this, in this season. And, and that's when I met Penn. It was at the very end of that first year, and I uh, was doing assessments with Ben, the intake with Ben. It was just Ben and I, and we spent the whole day together. And, and whenever a new student comes in, I'm very protective, and I'm, I'm right there, because I'm not going to take any risk of anyone doing anything that's not a blessing. How can we, how can we um, gain a student's trust to, to release their, their identity, to allow, to open their minds to what we're talking about if we don't provide them a safe place. So just, you know, subconsciously, I was just so protective of Ben. And I asked Ben the question, I said, so do you think you like it here more than public school? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, why? And do you remember your answer? I know it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time. I remember the answer. His answer was, there are no bullies here. And, yeah, no bullies here. And that, that was so profound for me because, like I said, I hated school. It wasn't because I couldn't learn. It was because I had no self-esteem. I didn't know my identity. And when you don't know who you are in a public school, young setting, you can become bullied. You're an easy target. And that was, that was, that was my brokenness, part of my brokenness. And what Ben saying that allowed me to do, and it was something that I think I had vo avoided up until that point, is him saying that and my knowing I was called to serve those from brokenness, it allowed me to put my own brokenness under the blessing. I had not been able to do that my entire life. And it was at that moment, a tremendous blessing you gave to me that I understood what God's plan was for this ministry. And Ben, as you go out into the world, you are given you might make one or two mistakes throughout your life. <laughs> Only two, right? No more? But I'm confident, Ben, I am so confident that one of those mistakes, as you carry out your life, will not be being a bully to others. And by seeking to minister to those that have experienced pain, and God has wept over that pain, but has experienced that pain, you are able to come alongside because you understand that pain. You are able to empathize with that pain. And thus, you will be able to put your brokenness under the blessing and be a blessing to those around you. All right, I'm going to close us in prayer. And then uh, Miss uh, Jennifer has a song she's going to sing. It's our theme song. Well, not they are. You're going to lead it. Um, she's going to do a solo first. No.
And you probably will not be able to guess the name of the song, all right? But they're going to sing a song. But I just want to pray first. Lord, I just thank you for this body. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, Lord. I thank you for those you bring into our lives. Lord, as I spoke today, maybe, maybe some have remembered trauma in their own lives, pain in their own lives, Lord, and ask you to comfort them and to bless them and to perhaps put in their minds those around them, those in their lives that they can bless and to truly embrace their belovedness, their chosenness, the blessings that you have given them to allow the good and the painful to be used for your glory as they are given to the world. And I thank you for Ben. I thank you for T and Lainey and Elliot and Miss Jennifer for coming out today. And I just praise you, Lord, for the blessing that they have been in my life. I am so grateful, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.